Radio TRO is in search of sponsors. Sponsors get a detailed product mention at the beginning of every episode in our catalog. You can submit your own advertisement or we can read one for you. Visit email.tro.bike and contact us directly to learn more. Hey folks, Maggie Dean here, just reaching out to tell you about a couple of great tours we have coming up. One is for the newbies and the other for the seasoned curve carvers. If you're new to motorcycle touring, check out the LMCT, Lake Michigan Circle Tour, which takes place from Sunday, July 14th to Saturday, July 20th. It's a beginner-friendly scenic bike tour around Lake Michigan with all the planning and organizing done for you. It's ideal for couples, three-wheel riders, and small groups. It offers a balanced mix of fun curves, beautiful scenery, and rest stops. If you've always wanted to go on a small group motorcycle tour but have yet to do so, this tour is for you. And for all you rabid twisty travelers, check out TRO's Wisco Disco Tour. Based in Wisconsin, this tour is perfect for experienced riders visiting as much of the Driftless area as possible over three days. Our well-vetted routes are pre-planned, so just take the time off and join us. It's a great opportunity to ride in an intimate setting away from the solo digital world. Tiro's Wisco Disco Tour launches Wednesday, August 7th, and concludes Sunday, August 11th. Again, that's two tours approaching. Visit tiro.bike, mouse over events, and select group tours to learn more. I'm Brian Ringer. I'm Robin D. You're listening to Radio TRO. TRO, your sport touring motorbike fix. We're an ever-developing online venue for motorcycle enthusiasts who enjoy responsibly spirited riding along routes less traveled. The wizards of twistery, the magicians of mappery, and your guides to many mysterious Maisie Mary Miles. If you're a lean angle crackhead, we're your dealers. Greetings from Texas. (laughs) It was an epic journey, I'm sure. It was an epic journey. But the cool thing is, this park we're set up in, we've never been here before. Oh, okay. We are set up for immediate success. There is no better location for a honeydew list on Earth. Really? Not one. If she needs a single egg, I can jump on the bike, and it's going to take me like 45 minutes of nothing but mayhem and curves and rural racetracks with a painted line to anything that's going to resemble a store. No matter what it is. I'm going to have a good time going to do this thing. Excellent. Got a beautiful site on the river here, and uh, you, of course, are invited to come down and check it out. Absolutely. So what's good? What's good? Well, um, and this is a topic I think we need to talk about, but um, uh, I just I just ponied up. My wife got tired of me. Like, in, I'd go into Costco, and I'd be... I'd be looking and stroking and 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 longing, <laughs> and so I finally bought a uh, new. It's a uh, uh, Apple uh, uh, MacBook Air 15 inch. So it's a MacBook Air with the M2 chip, and it's a but it's a big screen. Congratulations! So I'm coming to you live from my MacBook Air. Uh, so that's why I'm kind of at a different angle. Congratulations on your new Disco Linux machine. Yeah, it's uh, 
it is both sweet and tight. It is nice. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. Marge just Marge just said, just just freaking buy the damn thing. Stop. That's awesome. Stop jacking around. And she said, "I'll pay." And she's like, "I'll pay for half. Just buy a damn thing. Get it over with." <laughs> and it'll be good to you. It'll be good to you. Just be good to it. It'll last forever. I'm still in the same box from I don't know how long ago. Yeah, we're we're all Apple at work, and it's a the like I just earlier this year replaced my iMac that was 11 years old and still like working fine. You know, it the 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 hard Apple's hardware is ridiculous. So and. And that's a topic maybe we need to talk about, what makes a good road machine. Oh, I like this. Either this will be the official intro or we will talk about it later. But uh, I was, uh, for the last several years, I've been just using a cheap Chromebook. Because if the Chromebook falls off and gets run over by a truck, eh. Yeah. A couple hundred bucks, hit the Walmart, you're logged back in, you're you're ready. On this thing, I got to deal with Apple Care. Yeah. <laughs> You walk into a hotel room, you throw a crappy computer like a Frisbee. I had one that would flip around and be a tablet for a while there. They don't make it anymore. I don't remember what it was called. We wrote an article about it a while back. It was great because I didn't have to give a flying rat's poop about it. And now I've got something that does open up to a flat screen level. doesn't flip around into any kind of a, you know, tablet or anything like that. But again, I think we paid 300 bucks for it. You know, just a $300 anything that you can get some kind of work done or do some map planning and it doesn't like hang every time you press a key. You're like, oh, hold on. That was the letter J. Hold on, I'll I'll get to here in a second. Yeah, and, and my Chromebook actually, you know, like I had a really crappy Chromebook for a while and it was okay. Uh, but then I, like I, I ponied up, it was, it was actually a $500 Chromebook and it was on sale for 350 bucks. And so, yeah, it'll, it'd flip, flip around backwards into a tablet. Nice. So you get a nice Android tablet, um, and it's touchscreen. So I could flip it around backwards into a tablet. We could all gather around, look at a map and stuff like that. And the touchscreen made it kind of nice, you know, if you're showing people stuff. Yeah. Uh, this, the MacBook, you know, like I, especially for work and for some other things I need, you know, like you, there's no way to do FTP on a, on a Chromebook, um, uh, Anyway, not it's... without some fierce hacking. I had something that was trying, and it 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 worked, but it was so haphazard, and it felt janky. And it was like you've got an extension that has access to your credit cards. You know, like that's not good. Yeah, yeah. I could have used a web service, and anyway, so yeah. Anyway, but we can talk about that more. Yeah, it down the line. I want to know how are you doing? What's a good word? I am. I am much better right now. No, I am doing great. I'm looking, uh, had a, had a fantastic ride in Kentucky. We'll talk about that. I hope so. Um, yeah, there's some things I learned need to talk, you know, I think we, we, there's material we've got, we've got, I've got a hunk on Kentucky. We've done hunks on Kentucky. (laughs) It's 6 44 PM. Now we will stop at eight 15 and 13 seconds. Go Brian. Oh shit. Before we really get started, I had a good, solid listen. I don't know how it happened. I don't know how you guys got access, but somehow you managed to make another podcast without me, and I don't know how it slipped through the cracks. Somehow, something about you and Travis sabotaging my psyche and talking about, I'll have you both know, I only had to replace tires on a Sevens Tour twice. (laughs) Travis's at least three times comment just had me, I mean, my fingerprints are in the steering wheel right now, Brian. <laughs> you know, I had to peel them out. 
two times I had to replace tires. And, and two years ago, we had three people who had to replace all of their tires, which was great. Unless they were doing that in spite of me. Who knows? In the middle of a tour, like, oh, yeah, uh, we're down. Yeah, no. I'm looking at your anecdotal chit-chat screen, which I haven't seen in a minute, talking about something you rarely do, paid full retail. Tell me more. I never do this, and I don't know what got into me. But anyway, um, I've been looking around. I've been looking. I need like a new uh, winter, you know, fall, spring jacket. You know, something waterproof, keeps the water on the outside, doesn't invite it in with you. And uh, my old one's looking ratty as hell. So uh, I've been looking around for a minute. Uh, Normally, I buy everything on clearance. And, you know, it just nothing I liked was out there. So I went into a dealer near here called Flat Out Motorcycles, uh, Flat Out Power Sports uh, on the uh, uh, northeast side of Indy. Great place. Sponsors wanted, reach out, Tiro to bike. Tiro to bike. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, I went in, found it on the shelf. Uh, it's a Tour Master Mariner jacket. Uh, I've been eyeballing it uh, online and so forth. I tried it on, and I'm really and and actually the cost was the same as ordering online. You know, so why not support the, why not support the local dudes, you know? Of course. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's a new model jacket. Uh, and I do have to say, I think Tour Master has raised their game a little bit on this one. It's really, I've, I've, I've worn a lot of Tour Master stuff in the past. I've worn it out. All right. Um, this one, like you slip it on and it's, it's like you're riding. I mean, it, it's tailored better than anything I've ever put on before. Um, and, uh, it, it's got the adjustments and so forth. Uh, so far, it's been waterproof. I haven't really gone through, you know, real toad stranglers yet, but so far it's been waterproof, which is what you expect. So, so far, I love the jacket, and uh, it's been it's been great. And uh, it's just, I feel like, I don't feel like, uh, I mean, I, I, I feel a little sore because I didn't, you know, get a clearance on it or anything like that. But it was 300 bucks. Uh, I feel like it was still a decent deal. Good looking jacket, man. It's got that thing where I look at my BMW and it's got these jagged angles and trellis frame. <laughs> it's sort of like if you look at that bike long enough, you can see multiple bikes inside the same bike that amounted to, you know, like somebody was sculpting it out of clay. Yeah. And your jacket has it's it's what I was thinking of was like digital camo. So <laughs> like Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Uh yeah, and mine's the uh uh if you're looking up the tour ma- tour master mariner. Uh, mine is the high vi- mine is the high vis version. Yeah, well, is that green? Yeah, it's kind of got a. It it looks a little greenish in the pictures. It's more like a gray with uh with flashes of high vis, and it's got a lot of uh reflective stuff on it in different spaces. I imagine if a car headlight shines on that, it's got all kinds of hidden prismic reflectors. It's a disco ball just waiting to happen. Yeah, and it's pretty much two eighty nine ninety nine everywhere you look. So you know whatever. Um, I like it. It makes me miss they don't make the Sedici. It's not the great brand that people go after, but the Sedici, is it the Rapido or the Ultimo? Uh, what did I have? Yeah, hey, it's good stuff. Whatever it is I've got, it's like made out of the same stuff as fire hoses. I upped the armor. I always buy a cheap jacket that will survive one wreck, and I up the armor in it. Good idea. This one has all the pockets and the visual layout that I want for the whole gi joe destro attack thing yeah and that's kind of like uh like my climb jet my climb uh, mesh jacket obviously it's a really expensive jacket but i got it for like half price that's a nice jacket that's the best summer jacket we know of 
Yeah, that that it's 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 incredible every detail, and uh, yeah, it's got the D three O armor. That's the induction two. Uh, induction, yeah. I don't I, I don't remember which one. I, it was on clearance, so it wasn't a current current model. But uh, yeah, I I biffed it hard uh, off road in in South Dakota and landed on the D three O shoulder armor and you know rode back. I mean it it. That that D three O stuff is or D three zero whatever the hell it is D thirty I don't know I can't tell stuff C three PO great <laughs> yeah yeah the D three PO army is great uh, I did test it I did test it I had a I had a giant bruise on the shoulder that uh, echoed the armor but you know I also did not have a broken clavicle so hey I'll take it. So yeah, one thing uh, I think you and I talked about last time, or maybe it was me and Travis. Uh, it's been a while, been a minute. Um, uh, I I was doing some uh, doing some previewing of the routes and so forth that we'll get into. But I, uh, there's a ferry between Rising Sun, Indiana, and Rabbit Hash, Kentucky, and it was really cool. I talked. There was a couple of younger dudes on, uh, and and they had actually uh, first bikes. There was their first bikes, and it was really cool because. Uh, both of them had picked out reasonably sensible first bikes, you know, instead of, oh, I need a Hayabusa or I'm just not a, you know, I'm just not a man. Uh, you know, one guy, he, he had a new, uh, he had bought a brand new XR 150 L and it's a little Honda dual, dual sport, um, smart choice. He's been having a ball on it. And, um, yeah. And the other guy actually got a, had a sportster and, I know Sportsters are a larger bike, uh, but they're actually, they have a low center of gravity. They're actually really easy to handle. And his had the uh, mid controls. It didn't have the, you know, the feet forward stuff going on. So yeah, it was kind of refreshing to talk to somebody who's not going to, yeah, like this is a good first bike. I'm going to, you know, maybe I'll move on to something else later. It was pretty neat. At least they cognitively thought that that's the direction they were going in and they managed to land something that they're able to maintain and handle, you know? Yeah. They made the concerted effort to buy something they felt was reasonable for where they were starting out at. I find that admirable by itself. You know what I mean? Yeah, and the thing is, you know, I've seen a lot of people buy a, an old bike that's all messed up, you know, because they always end up messed up. If, if it's your first bike and you buy an old bike, you don't know what it's supposed to, how it's supposed to work. And, you know, I always tell people something, you know, I always tell, I try to, this may be surprising, but really, really consider buying a really late model or buying a new bike because at least you're you can be fairly confident it's going to work the way it's supposed to yeah you can hear it what's supposed to sound like off the dealership floor yeah and yeah just i mean if you're gonna if you're gonna jump into this you know jump in with something good and and that that where that's one less thing you have to deal with uh i i uh worked on a bike that a guy was riding around with like the worst steering stem bearings i've ever experienced notched it was like clunk and it would just stick yeah and then you could you know you had the effort to move it (laughs) he had no idea like he rode that thing to my house i'm like what the hell this is you know and i rode it like one block and back and i'm like this we we gotta no (laughs) this will not stand he had no idea you know it's not a train on rails (laughs) he thought it was you're allowed to control the handlebars (laughs) yeah what's been going on with you robin we are here in Texas. We're in Concan, Texas. It is gorgeous here, man. In every direction. Now, everybody talks about, have you ridden the sisters? Have you ridden the sisters? Have you been on the sisters? The three sisters? Oh, yeah. And that's a great combination of roads. That's 
fantastic to be right here, which is quite frankly why we're here is because Hill Country is all Texas has. I mean, you can look at Texarkana, sorta, but not until you get to Arkansas do you really get anything more. So what is Texas Hill Country? People will say Kerrville. I don't disagree, but I have to say that where we're at is a lot more personal, rural, beautiful, peaceful. Nice. And you can take the entire shape of all of the Twisted Sisters routes. That's uh, Texas Ranch to Market, 335, 336, and 337. (laughs) The Twisted Sisters. If you take the entire Sisters and just twist it to the right or the left, just a hair, you can get roads that aren't completely over-the-top high traffic that nobody knows about, that nobody has any intention of going on on a weekday, on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and just hoon it. Nice. In peaceful, constant, grinning, peaceful joy and go to the grocery store that takes 140 miles. Nice. I'm looking at your face right now because, you know, we got video going and I see this, this like winter's coming desperation. And Brian, I will let you have the Beamer. I'll ride Maggie's Street Triple R. You just come on down. <laughs> you got to pay for the airfare. I got to get down there. I'll pick you up at San Antonio, but we got a place for you. That's how we'll do this. That's how we're doing. And it's great. Nice. I will say Maggie's bike isn't spooling again. It what it's it's not starting or again or it's not starting again. Yeah, so we got it on the tender. I'm just gonna I don't know, but I tell you what, she stepped up and knocked out the park. She's really trying to figure it out and proud of her, Maggie Dean, the one and only. I was looking at a topographic uh, view, and yeah, that's a lot like that's a lot hillier than it is over, you know, in the Austin area. Yeah. You know, it has easy access, but it's a lot hillier over there, actually. Yeah. So there's like a lot of little hills, and that's just a great recipe for... for. Uh, I'll send you a link to something special that we do that I'm not going to talk about, or nor am I going to market, because I want to keep it to myself. You know what I mean? <laughs> this road was made for me. <laughs> you got to tell me about Kentucky, man. All right. I don't care if it takes over the entire episode. All right. Tell me everything. Well, they got together with... Uh, Five different guys, five different good friends, people I've ridden with a lot. Um, and uh, we we change it up a little bit. Uh, usually we'll get together around the Florence area, which is just south of Cincinnati. It's kind of like you're just out of the city and you commute a little bit and you've got some great roads. Uh, and it's easy access. It's right on the interstate. Uh, this time around, we went another hour south into uh, and stayed in uh, Georgetown, Kentucky. It's right outside of Lexington, uh, easy to get to, right on the interstate again if somebody's coming in after dark. And um, uh, shout out to the uh, Baymont down there. Uh, you know, usually a Baymont is just like there's something wrong in every room. <laughs> uh, this one here, this one here was just eerie. It was like everything, everything was fine. <laughs> it worked great. When I flush the toilet, the coffee machine goes on. Yeah, and uh, there's just something. There's something that's normally, and, and this one, this one was 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 great. They had Rick like really good Google reviews and everything. Anyway, um, there, there's there's just some really, you know, is is really interesting to come up with some new routes and and some new things to think about and so forth. Um, and one of the great things about this group of guys is kind of that 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 zen they have. They they they're there to ride. They're not at work, uh, and so it's a it's automatically a good day. Uh, 
like for example, uh, we got there Thursday, went out for an afternoon ride. Uh, it started raining, so we changed the route around a little bit to get back a little sooner. Okay. And, you know, it was cool. I mean, nobody was bothered. Like, oh, well, you know, we just put on our, you know, like some people had to put on rain gear and I just kept going and my stuff, but, you know, it was cool. Yeah. Um, and, but the cool thing was the next morning, uh, everything, the rain stopped about 6 a.m., but everything was just really super wet, like almost all day. Um, and we had a route that went south and went through some really intense twisties, uh, kind of in the Red River Gorge area. Okay. Um, and the the cool thing is, you know, even though the roads are wet and dirty, it's still fun. You know, no one, no one got upset. No one, um, no one cried and whined, you know, no one was bothered by it. It was just like, it is what it is. We're here. We're having a, you know, we're here. We're on motorcycles. It's automatically a great day. Riding through Red River Gorge, there was a, a day in the wet, and it's a park road, so people weren't necessarily all that excited about it. I personally, I don't know. I just don't really hold back. I enjoy those roads. I take the risk now and then. I've never really run into too much trouble other than, hey, can you chill out kind of thing, if anything. But this was on a weekday, so there was nobody there. Right. And I remember that they had, it, it was almost as though it was brand new seal coat. I had the bike in rain mode. You and I had talked about some tech that we might like to keep, and I thought, well, dynamic traction control, I could take it or leave it. I want injection, number one. I want ABS, number two. Cruise control is somewhere, eh, whatever. I, I'll take it or leave it. I would love to have it, but a cramp buzzer might do the job. Yeah. But in this one case, rain mode and DTC did work out in my favor because I went around a corner, full confidence, and the whole bike stepped down way lower. <laughs> it It slid first. And as I realized, yeah, this slide, this slide isn't ending. <laughs> this is low. My crash bars might be touching. I can't quite tell. I'm not sure if my luggage is, but this is not the lean angle that I was prepared to be in. Not that I've never been in that lean angle, but when you're not prepared to be in that lean angle, <laughs> wow, that's a hell of a lean angle. The DTC kicked in. And then it, it straightened up for me and it kind of did a little wiggly wiggly. And then it did the same thing to the right because that's how slick the roads were on that particular day. Nice. And I just remember thinking to myself when I was listening to your last episode, I was like, man, one of the few moments where I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm glad I got it. Let's never say that again. Do, 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 do. Keep on riding. <laughs> Back to you. So you're in Red River Gorge. You're leading these guys through in the rain. There's no bitching and moaning. Yeah. They're all on the bikes smiling with the rain gear on. It's fun. Yeah. It wasn't raining that morning, but it was still very, very wet. And under the trees, it just didn't dry out. And there were leaves on the road and all this stuff. And, you know, and and, and I didn't think anything of it. And it was, and then, you know, a couple hours in, I was like, wow, no one's, this is, this is what's cool about this group of people is that they're, these riders are, they're, you know, this is not a problem. Uh, everybody had the skills needed. Everybody had, you know, there were, uh, there were a couple of vintage bikes. Uh, so there was no, there's no contract control or anything like that going on, uh, for some of them. And was Brown lightning there? He was, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, the Brown streak, the Brown streak. That's, that's, that's what I have dubbed him. Uh, anyway, a couple of small micro thoughts here. Uh, 
if there's a if there's a ring road around a small city, just take it. Going through the middle of the city like the GPS wants you to sucks. Sorry. <laughs> Even though it's a charming downtown, eh. Um, and also I learned I I one of the things I like I'll improve my routes and I'll improve my uh, just something to consider is uh, U.S. highways are always even if they look great. If it's a U.S. highway and not a Kentucky highway, it's going to suck because it's going to be full of people. Mm-hmm. Um, even though it's just as twisty, it's going to be, you know, it's going to have RVs with bad head gaskets and, you know, it's just going to. So like in that area, 421, 127, 460, uh, just eh. <laughs> and then uh, there was there was kind of a, on on Friday, there was kind of a about a 60 mile commute before anything got any good. And, uh, I, I've kind of thought about some ways to make that a little better. You know, some days you're, you, the hotels need to be where civilization is and the good roads are where civilization is not. (laughs) So we're going to be getting back to the trip sevens thing at some point. It's going to be like, here's the corner of help me. Yeah. (laughs) Go on. So that kind of, like Georgetown was a great base of operations places to, you know, everything was there, you know, hell, they even had a Walmart, you know, <laughs> and, uh, but who doesn't have a Walmart, but it was, uh, going to the Southeast toward that red river gorge area. You know, we kind of hooned around in there. Uh, yeah, it was a good 50 mile commute. So one of the things I'll probably do next time is actually hop on about 20 miles of interstate just to get through some of that and then get off of that, you know, instead of like, we tried going out 460 to, uh, um, Paris and it was just, you know, us highway full of dump trucks. Nope. I mean, cause you're adding in intersections and stoplights is the thing. It's a highway. Yeah. So you can have like crossroads, not exits. So I get what you're saying. Sometimes it's just not, you want it to be, you want it to happen, but it's not always going to be worth it. Yeah. Yeah, and I really um and the other the other thing was like if you look to if you look to the west and north of uh of Georgetown on a map, uh you'll see US one twenty seven and you'll see like ten miles to the east, you'll see Kentucky two twenty seven. And they both actually end up in the same city. And two twenty seven is just epically just sweeper, sweeper, sweepers. I mean, it's amazing. It's a wonderful road. There's nobody on it because they're all over on 127. Now, you're talking about due northwest or? Northwest of Georgetown. Stamp, yes, from Stamping Ground North uh, on two on 227. Absolutely choice, grade A, primo. Uh, you know, that right there is a stake. Oh, that's just silly. I mean, if you're zoomed in too far, you'll see, okay, whatever. What's it doing? It goes up to Minersville. Yeah, well, look at Minersville due north of that on 227. You'll know what we mean. Yeah, and if you also, and if you look a little further to the west, you'll see 127, which is like the parallel route. Forget that. Eh, don't even bother. Well, Google Maps, that's a big old yellow line, so that's U.S. Highway 127. Yeah, you don't want to be on that, but 227 is... Yeah, north of Minersville all the way up to Owenton. And then actually it goes on from there and it's and it remains quite good up until you get to Indiana. It looks like all I want to do is get lost in this area. Just ride two twenty seven. Oops, I doubled back and I took three thirty, you know, and then I doubled back and went to eighteen eighty three. 
you know, to 607, 2018, to 368, it all just looks like, oops, I'm sorry. I'll catch up with you guys tomorrow. (laughs) You know, I'll be hanging out here eating. Yeah, it was, yeah, and and exactly. Like, yeah, 608 to 607, uh, 330, 330 goes all the way to uh, Falmouth, which is, and it's actually a really nice, you know, if you're, uh, we use that as kind of a tap out route uh, out of Falmouth and, I know 22 is kind of the the star of the show in, in Kentucky, but man, 330 is quite nice, and it goes on and on forever. I laugh a little bit because I zoom in and I see 3103, 3103, and I'm like, well, take some zoom to see that. I wonder if it's any good. And I drag the little guy, the street view over it, and it just ends a little bit of the ways in, like the UPS driver doubled back and said, nope, and the music started. Just a good old boys, dude, dude, you know, like... Not delivering that package. Yeah, you, you have to watch it. And I really tried to. I really tried to stay on the roads that had at least one painted line. Uh-huh. So you have, you know, in your hierarchy, you have you have side, you have the white lines on the side, yellow lines in the middle. That's that's at the top, and then you have just white lines, and then you have just a yellow line, and then you have no lines. And I tried to stay off the no line roads. And I mostly mostly did that this weekend. So that weekend. well done. <laughs> Quite Mission nice. accomplished. Yeah. And what one, one nice thing I'll say about the guys I was there with is, um, you know, as is as happens quite a bit, uh, the Brown Streak and I were <laughs> God. like we were the only ones left at the end of the day because um, I, I really like this atmosphere where people can come up and say, "Yeah, I'm done. I'm heading back. What's a good way to get back?" No, no shame. No excuses no like you know like eh i've had enough you know i'm i'm heading back okay you know and i i i always try to have that atmosphere and sometimes you still get people who are like they're kind of embarrassed and it's like zero embarrassment no judge you know it's, oh great here's a great way to get back and um so yeah by the you know by the end of the both of the days dale and i were the only ones left so whatever i am not surprised he's an energizer bunny man the guy can just ride and ride and ride now half of the reason i came up with these bonus loops is because you run into people like him that i had you help me create bonus loops Mm -hmm. is riders like the the brown streak (laughs) will say uh oh that's it for today i'll be like shoot man here's another 150 miles here, yeah. go at it. Go do it. I, I hope that he's looking forward to sevens this year. Yeah, he's he can't wait. Yeah, and if he wants some numbers, uh, you know, 22 between Falmouth and uh, I think uh, Dry Ridge is kind of the best known. It's like it would be the dragon of Kentucky if it had a dragon. And now we've said it out loud. See, that was a mistake. Our listeners are going to. They had a stupid name. Okay, cut that out. <laughs> yeah, edit it out. Yeah, 22, 227, like we mentioned, 165, which is over uh, uh, east of Falmouth, uh, 89 down in the Red River Gorge area. I had I had never seen that before. Man, that was cool. And you mentioned 330 all on your own, 36, 77, 715, 2016. You really can't go too far wrong, and you know, unless you're unless you unless you're on a dull road, you're going to see a Walmart soon, you know. So stay out of that kind of crap and and you really cannot go wrong because it's all just there's no mountains it's all just hills and so there's roads just absolutely everywhere it's just a target rich environment we had that conversation man it's like really comes down to kentucky and west virginia yeah and what life risk you're willing to take around the society in those environments but you know that's 
tit for tat. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, I do have to say like, uh, so on Sunday, Dale and I, uh, the Brown streak, uh, had a bonus day where we had, uh, uh, just a hoot getting back to Indiana. And then, then he went east and I went north and, uh, we actually ran all the, in, we, we did it in the other direction. We ran the planned route for the triple sevens in Indiana. And what we discovered was we need, I need to revise about the third, the, the Western 30 miles of that because it is primitive. <laughs> it is, <laughs> it is, it is adventurous. Now we'll keep that as an option. Are we talking about what we did for sevens? Get on it, because I don't, I mean, I'm ready to, like, work on the southeast quadrant of the whole thing. Yeah. Not that you owe me anything. You've been cutting me favors since day one. You're just chilling me down checks, like, here you go. Let me help you out here. It's getting to be that time. Well, winter's not really even here yet, but when it does come to winter, i got to start calling, finding out where we're going to be doing the lodging. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, i got to know the roads. I mean, you'll still end up in Madison. We're just going to, I'm just going to, what I'm going to do is give you a kind of a new main route for that Eastern 30 miles, because it is, it is, <laughs> it's like dirty. There's like lines on just a good the, old the pavement. Yeah. The pavement looks like the pavement looks like somebody dragged a plow down it and it makes <laughs> your bike wiggle around. And I was, and I was, you know, and Dale and I are kind of like looking at each other and kind of like. You think that'll make people mad? I don't know. Um, yeah, maybe. So anyway, I'll, I've, I've got, you'll still end up in Madison. Madison's a wonderful place. Okay. There's a Fairmont that's actually newly remodeled overlooking the river. You know, I know it's a chain motel, but uh, it's a really. That's fine. Yeah. There's a, like if you, uh, like if you look up Madison, there's lots of places to stay that are on the river, down in the river town. Don't go up on the plateau. But uh, yeah, I'll 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 tweak that a little bit. But what we'll do is we'll provide that track now. If you guys want to go bushwhacking, you know, if somebody's on like a Goldwing and they want to do some bushwhacking and switchbacks and filthy roads and lines on it, they can try it. It's fun. I'm definitely not afraid of a single instance ten mile an hour switchback. But at the same time, when you take what a lot of people would deem a goat road. Like, man, this is way too tight. And you step it back one shelf. Yeah. It's not a sweeper. Sweepers are great. I love sweepers. But if you're not going Mach 8 and you're going just fast enough that, yeah, this is tight, but you still feel like the bike is planted on the ground, that's where I'm just like, this is silly. You know, that's where I start feeling happy. If we can find that, we're gold. But anything from that level up is what will not piss people off so much. It'll give them exactly what they paid for. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so the rest of it uh, from, yeah, like you end up on 129 outside of Evie. And the rest of it going east all the way to Rising Sun is fine. There's like 25, 30 miles. I'm like, yeah, we probably should revise this. <laughs> but I tell you what, it is, it's, a, it's a hoot. Uh, like I've already scouted it, but until I had someone else there riding with me, it never occurred to me like, yeah, this is a, this is a maybe an individual quirky thrill. <laughs> if the brown streak says, um, so you may want to revise this. 
you've uh, you've found something that we want to mark as a giant hazard cone. <laughs> they leave it on the map, you know. Like, hey, if you're hairy chested enough, <laughs> if you've got the if there's somebody, you know, if there's somebody like on a BMW GS, and they're like, yeah, I want to go adventuring. Go ahead, have at it. <laughs> but in the end, it's like I condense everything down. Yeah. We find the best creme de la creme. I keep three versions of this seven day tour. The three maps are I'm all in. I'm mostly in, but I could use some breathing room. And at this point, I really just want to go see some museums. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the three versions of the map. I want to go see the ball of twine. <laughs> That's fine. Either way, everybody has the day they have. That matters. Thank you for testing it. Well, I had Tessa. I just hadn't dragged anybody else with me. Like, I knew that, you know, I knew these. <laughs> I just, it never occurred to me, like, well, this is, yeah, this this might be a little much. Or actually, the opposite of much. <laughs> the, 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 you know, like, there's no lines. There's no, you know, no room. Uh, uh, and one last thing I'll mention about the Kentucky trip. I passed, uh, we passed in Northeast, in somewhere, somewhere in Kentucky on the way back to Indiana, uh, we passed a, a giant field full of pot. I've never passed a pot field before. They have tobacco fields all over the place. And it looks like uh, there's some of them are retooling, apparently. Are they growing bud or are they growing hemp? Well, I don't know. It's, it smelled it smelled like pot, right? you know, uh, smelled like fresh pot. Maybe, or something took over a field. No, no, it, this was cultivated. This was cultivated. They were growing the stuff, and, and they... Uh, they have medical down there, I think, uh, and so so it's got to come from somewhere. So might as well support the local. But yeah, it's just a field, you know. And there's no dogs or razor wire or anything. I started smelling something. What was downright that? sweet? <laughs> yeah, sarsaparilla doesn't yeah, smell kinda, that good. Yeah, it's kind of and and uh, and then I'm like, oh, well, look at look at all those spiky leaves. How about Dan? How about that? <laughs> hmm. Interesting. But yeah, there's and. Uh, and the tobacco fields in southern Indiana and, and Kentucky kind of surprise people sometimes. They're like, what the hell is that? It's tobacco. That's, you know, don't you, that's what it looks like before they chop it up and make cigarettes with it. You know, this ties really well into the next thing I see in the discussion points. Blends perfectly. Locust Pro. Locust Pro. <laughs> kind of like we talked about last time. I have... Um, I think I use, I think I'm the weird one here in the way I use GPSs. Like I'm not using it to get from point A to point B or follow a route. Uh, so what I do is put a bunch of tracks on a screen. It looks like a spaghetti bowl. I, I give them different colors, different transparencies. And then, you know, I, and then it's on my, it's on my handlebars and I've learned the art of seeing it when I need to see it without paying attention to it. Pick a line, stay on the line. Is that the idea? Like, if it's red, we're going hot. We're going to go kick ass on this line. Yeah. Or, you know, hmm, uh, this truck is pissing me off. I'm going to go take the blue line. Smart. I'll, I'll, make those, I'll make those game time decisions like that constantly. And, you know, if you're, if you're trying to follow, it'll, you'll just be lost. But um, anyway, yeah, so the app I use is on and, I, you know, a cheap Android phone. And it's called Locust Pro. It's like eight bucks. And then you buy these low coins, which is a stupid system they have uh, where you where you buy the <laughs> offline maps. So the maps are all downloaded in your phone. So there's no data connection needed. Uh, and you can, you can put your, you can put your tracks, uh, GPX tracks on Google uh, drive and load them in from there, or you can load them in a couple different ways. Um, and it, 
and you, everything's configurable, but the original developers were German and Polish. So support in English is scarce. Yeah. And let us say that the decisions made in the interface and the app are, um, are, are odd. <laughs> vector is it all, is it vector based? Yeah. The learning curve is damn near vertical. <laughs> <laughs> But once you get it set up, like it zooms in and out automatically. Uh, when you turn the power on and your your you know the USB power comes on for the phone, uh, the phone comes on automatically. Um, you know, and you can configure all that. You can configure the speeds of where it zooms and how far it zooms and what it does. Uh, you've got elevation shading so you can see the hills and stuff coming up. Um, so once it's all set up, you you really. Like the only time I touch it is when I'm taking the phone off the bars, you know, to go and have lunch or something. That's what I was going to say. It seems like your end goal is smartly experienced and casual. It's a casual base of experience where it's like, you know how to follow a route. You know when it's time to deviate from a route. I think that's a shelf up from me. I design a great route. I follow that route. I don't use the uh, audio cues. I, I know you've, you've used those for a long time where you have a... Now that's another thing that came up last time. The thing where people were t- you thought it would drive you crazy, ride with GPS's cues. I mean, you can configure them. I don't think that even by default they do anything beyond tell you once when you're about a half mile ahead is your next turn. And then right before that turn, it'll announce something. So in a quarter mile, turn left on Brian has Bluetooth road. And then right when you get to that road, turn left onto Brian has Bluetooth road. That's all it does. So it's two per road change. It's not like Osmond, which, by the way, is like a rally car driver. Oh, God. In three miles, quarter left turn, hot right. Okay, in four miles, it's way ahead of the game, and it's just announcing to you how to drive a car at a bajillion miles an hour. That is Osmond, which I've handled before, but it will not. It just won't shut up at all. It's going to tell you everything about the degree angle of every turn and things like that. Yeah, and if you're, and if you're on a really winding, twisty road, it thinks everything's a corner. And uh, the Ryber GPS is a lot smarter about that. And no, I never did look up. Uh, I there were chickens in the road a few times, you know, as you find in the hinterlands. And uh, as I I never have, and, and the thought was like, I wonder what the etiquette is if if you run over someone's chicken, you know, what do you have to stop? Uh, you eat it. And I'm good eating. Yeah. Yeah, bag it, throw it in the back of a bag. Tag it, bag it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think. Uh, yeah. I think it's like, a, I, I do know if like somebody's cow is in the road and, and like they're responsible for the damage to the cars if, you're, if your farm animals are damaged something. So yeah. Unless you're in open cattle country. Yeah, then it's, up, then it's your fault. Uh, yeah, that's true. And uh, not much of that in Kentucky, but, uh, but we, you know, like in, uh, yeah, in Tennessee, we've been in actually, you know, where you have to go through and do some dual sporting or not dual. Yeah. Dual sporting where you have to open the gate and go through and then, uh, or in West Virginia, I believe actually. So yeah, they, they did have some, some rangeland where you could go through, like it's a public right away, but, but yeah, what happens with the cattle there is your problem. <laughs> so they're trying to maintain the, the cattle ranges for the farms. They have to have a way to get them from one point to the next but that doesn't mean they can't be public access use either. So combining the two means here's your musket. <laughs> Head on out. The war is that way. Good luck. Yeah. So you, yeah, you basically are expected to leave the 
leave the gate the way you found it. And again, it's mostly dual sport stuff. You know, there's not going to be a paved road going through a, through a cow pasture, but it is not uncommon. What's this I see about heavy maintenance on the GS850? You're about to do helicoils? Yeah, the exhaust, uh, the exhaust bolts strip out, have stripped out like they always do on every bike everywhere. But, uh, yeah, it's starting to cause some ticking and so forth. So I had to do some helicoils and... I've had like five minutes to work on it in the last three weeks. So anyway, yeah, basically I had to weld up a, I had to weld up a, a hole in the uh, exhaust, like, you know, 40 years of exhaust and it's a long story. Anyway, there's a hole in it that came that it basically eroded. It uh, didn't really corrode from water and stuff, but it just eroded at the head. Now this was your aforementioned welding job that caused this, right? No, no, my, yeah, so my, I, to my astonishment, I managed to, to make a, an airtight weld that's actually a fairly good repair. I don't know how I did that uh, with my little Harbor Freight welder. Well done, sir. So anyway, I got to take the whole thing back off and a little, there's little ceiling sleeves and again, they're 40 years old. They crumbled to dust and, you know, it's, it, it's old bikes things. Um, so yeah, I got to get that done and, uh. Well, if you're doing that, are you going to check the valves on the FG09 then? Uh, and this winter, I'm going to do that. It's going to be due. It's going to be, I've got 20, I've got like 22,000 miles on it since the last valve check. And it, they're due at 24, but. Shim over bucket, shim under bucket. That's a shim under bucket. And I mean, I don't, it, it's, it's, it's easier than a lot of bikes with shim under bucket. Okay, so the Triumph's like that. Does it have the openings in front of the cam where you can get underneath? You don't have to take the cam off. Yeah, you got to take the cams off to to cam. Oh, you do. You you can you can check them, and if they're okay, you can leave it alone. But you do have to take the camshaft off to change the. Okay. Yeah, so like on the GS, the on the GS, the shims are on top, and uh, you can just press them down and blah blah blah. Yeah. But on uh, on most modern bikes, yeah, you have to take the camshaft out if you got to change any. Uh, when I, I did the first valve check on the FJ at 21,000 miles when I bought it, the guy sold it at the perfect time because it was due for everything. <laughs> anyway, I did the valve check because I wanted to make sure it was done right. And like I had 11 out of the 12 valves had to be changed. Uh, I had to change the shim. So so off comes the cams off and then the timing has to be situated. So my question for you, what is the benefit of under bucket versus over bucket? Uh, the valve clearances stay the same for longer. They're lighter, so you can they can tolerate higher RPM uh, as an assembly, and it's more reliable. Okay. Um, yeah. The downside is, yeah, the, the cams have to come out if you need to change them. Um, yeah, I I mean, obviously, I do all of my own work, and that's kind of a problem because a lot of times a dealer will check them. And as long as they are somewhere within spec, they'll leave them alone. They, you know, they hate doing <laughs> That's how I do it. If they're within spec, I'm solid. Rail on it, beat the daylights out of it. When I did it at, at 22,000 miles on the bike or whatever it was, a little early. It's supposed to be 24,000, but they always get tight early uh, on Yamahas. But the uh, but I set them all. I actually finagled. I got everything finagled and swapped things around and tested until they were all like within uh, – one or two of the top of the range. And that way your clearances will stay in spec a lot longer. So I expect when I go in that I, I probably won't have to change any intakes at all. I may have to change some exhaust, uh, shims. Nice. But they're, you know, but 
Yeah, so I, I take the extra time, and it was like February. What the hell else do I have to do? So. <laughs> well, so now I'm looking at your tires here, man, from the Kentucky ride. These pictures tell a big story. <laughs> that tread, that siping. The thing about the Dunlop Road Smart 3s, which is what you and I both seem to like using these days, you know. They're cheap. Yeah. When it comes to sport touring tires, look for dual compound and then buy the cheapest set of next level tech compound tires. You'll be perfectly happy. You'll be perfectly happy so long as you kind of filter through the results of what it is you're after. I'm not really a big fan of like Shanko all that much, but you know what I mean? It's like the Dunlop Road Smart 3s are crazy cheap and they are crazy good. And I see all these posts about the Michelin R6s. We're not going to have that talk because the Dunlops are the way to go all day. That goes out to <laughs> Murray Haynes, by the way. Shout out to Murray Haynes. You ain't sold me on the Michelins anymore, man. God, they're so expensive. I mean, they, they're fine, but they're, God, they're expensive. Yeah. Yeah. And these, these, they're okay. They're okay. Yeah. They, but yeah, these road smarts, I've, been, I've, I've had good luck with them and 250 bucks a set around in there. Uh, and this is, I think, uh, and I know everybody's wondering what the hell we're looking at, but I, I took a picture of the old tire next to the new one because I, I always had the, I had, I bought the extra set of the new ones, you know, a couple months ago. These have about 8,000 miles on them because these things are lasting and they are being, they are being abused. Yes, sir. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And I always change them both by the way, but uh, anyway, but yeah, these are, this is like, I've done, I've been doing some really fun riding this last year. As you can see, uh, these are hard, you know, there's no flat spot in these like you normally get on how, you know, when you have to deal with highway riding. Yeah. I was kind of, I'm kind of proud of this. (laughs) We want to talk about tool tips or questions. Website updates, revisits, announcements, corrections, etc. First, the corrections. My tires went bad twice on trip sevens. Travis is wrong. Two times I had to deal with that. <laughs> yeah, that's my only correction. As for the website, let's see. Transcripts are now working. There was a bug with transcripts for the hearing impaired being able to read the podcast episode. By the way, there's a key phrase above each transcript about as legible as we are intelligible. So that's the best you're going to get. Enjoy it. Laugh it off. Have a good time with that. But they are now working. They load reliably, and we're happy about that. Sweet. Here's a big announcement. My favorite podcast app is actually just Google Podcasts. Me too. It's simple. That's the key, right? Well, Google Podcasts is going away. I'm sad about that because it was a great platform. So Dave in Idaho. You're going to want to find something else. Just go to Pandora or Spotify or Apple Podcast. Well, if you don't have an iPhone, it doesn't really work, does it? If you go to an episode page, click on the choose my player or whatever it says on there, it'll give you a huge list of options Yeah, through which you can get software to listen to TRO's podcast. Yeah, and and Google Podcasts, Google Podcasts is is not really going away. It's going to be turning into uh, some sort of YouTube product. Okay, so there it is. It'll be there. They're just changing the name, and and you know all your videos of Britney Spears are going to be mixed in with your podcast or something. I don't know. All your podcasts are belong to us. Yeah, yeah, whatever. What's this about a charger? I see. Yeah, so uh, my new phone was kind of picky about. Like it wasn't keeping up, you know, because it's sitting here with the screen on all day and it's on bright because it's in the sun and doing GPS things. And uh, so what I discovered is you have to look for something called PD. Uh, I don't know what that means. You know, power 
distribution. I don't know. Anyway, you look for a PD charger with a USB-C connector, and that will keep up. That will that will stuff electrons into your phone at the rate it needs. Just a very small thing that I discovered, and I thought maybe someone would need to know. Now it's some time for debate here. What were the temperatures like when you were riding in Kentucky then? Is that when you kind of discovered the need for this? No, I I just when I recently got this new phone. Okay. It's a it's a little it's a Motorola Android phone, cheap as hell. Yep. Uh they work great, whatever. Uh just it's just with the new phone. Uh, yeah, the temperatures were like uh the first day was was like 80 was the high on Thursday and then the weather system came through and then after that the high was like maybe 60. Well, your timing is perfect. Is that a power on off switch there? Yeah, it's got a power on and off switch. Uh that's cool because I have to replace the ones that we got now. This will be the new update to that article, which we get a lot of traffic for about what's the best USB charger. And it's 16 bucks. I mean, that's not bad at all. So we'll link to that in this episode's page at Tiro.bike. Tiro.bike. Yeah, so this one seems to work pretty well. Haven't tried it yet, so we'll... But uh, And there, there are many like it, but yeah, they do. What you want is PD charging, and that will keep up with your phone. I guess it gives extra amps or bolts or something. Let's let that bring us to stuff our listeners have asked or might ask. And I'm going to go ahead and, man, this, we need to jump on this next episode. Let's kick these questions asses because these are loaded questions. Loaded. I'm not going to read them now. I'll read them next time. So I'm going to go with my own question because I'm selfish. And that's that I'm getting some paint work done. I need my BMW paint codes for my front fender. So the paint codes for the gray front fender on a 2016 model R1200RS, where do I find these codes without having to call a dealership? That's a very good question, Robin. Do you have an answer? I I know where to look for Japanese bikes, but I have no idea where BMW hide. Do they put it in the fiches anywhere? I don't have any idea. I'd have to look it up by serial number, I bet. Yeah, well, like when I look up parts for my bike, uh, my Yamaha, for example, it's it's uh, like the 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 code for the whole bike. It's like separately under FR, which I don't know if that means. I in my head, I said I think fire red. It's actually magma red. The the color's called magma, magma. It it'll say FJ09 blah blah blah, and it'll say FR at the end. So that that's the one my bike, and so I can go in. And I have no clue whether BMW does the same thing. Uh, whether there's a code on the end of your, uh, and, but yeah, what the paint codes are, I have no idea. The hardest truth about this is that at one point I was looking at the page and had it bookmarked for the exact information I'm looking for. And now it's just been so long that I don't remember how I went about resourcing it to begin with. <laughs> so I reached out to the Facebook group. That was a mistake. The first response, call the dealership. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's going to go great. Well, so what did you say? Where do you want to jump to next? Because I think the stuff our listeners have asked, we should come back to full angst. Yeah. There's a whole hunk on technology on the road. Yeah. Right there is a hunk. Totally. And no question. We are not fielding any questions until these get covered because they need to be. Here's one I want. I don't want an answer to. I mean, I want an answer. But I want you and I to think about, and I want anybody who's listening to think about is... Be careful. We're going to fall on it. Okay. We're going to fall into this conversation. All right. Uh, you, you, I, I finally figured out, like, I've, I've seen the rubber ducks in the Jeeps. And I'm like, what the hell is the, what the rubber ducks? Why do all the Jeeps have rubber ducks in them? And 
I still don't really know how that got started, but anyway. Uh, so they, the rubber duck just means, hey, nice Jeep. Here's a rubber duck. And you can buy rubber ducks at, you know, you can buy like, a, you know, of course the, 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 the fine people in China have stepped up and now you can buy like thousands of different designs of rubber ducks. You know, they have Mohawks, they have glasses, you know, they have whatever. So if you see a Jeep, I will guarantee you on the dashboard of that Jeep will be an assortment of rubber ducks because Jeep people carry around rubber ducks. And if they see a Jeep and they want to say to the person, hey, nice Jeep, but the Jeep person is not with their Jeep, then they will save you, they will give you, they will put a rubber duck on the Jeep. And you come back and you're like, oh, someone liked my Jeep. How nice. I'll put the rubber duck on the dashboard. I don't know why rubber ducks. No one knows. I don't. I, I, that's as far as I Googled. I didn't really care. So what should we? What should motorcyclists do? What's our rubber duck? If we're being honest, I get rubber ducks on the Sevens Tours because they provide rubber ducks at the different destinations. They're little tiny ones. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what Jeeps have, yeah. So I've got, I mean, rubber ducks are actually, that's not uncommon, I guess. Somehow it's managed to branch out into different platforms. We were getting these little itty-bitty rubber ducks at three different hotels we would stay at along the way. Really? Yeah. Okay, so maybe so maybe the answer for what's our rubber duck is rubber ducks. It's happened before. Yeah. Huh. I didn't know that. Interesting. So it's something like a miniature truck nuts. Would that be would that be that would probably be too classy. That's a little too <laughs> slightly offensive. That's like fine dining. <laughs> yeah, I was like that that's a little much. Twenty four Kerrigold Dingleberries. Doesn't really play, does it? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. So anyway, it's something to think about. Okay. All right. That's the only thing I had there. Let's get this out because we're not fielding questions, but I'll at least announce it. If your question is selected from the uh, large quantity we get every day, you will receive an answer. It may not be the answer or a good answer, but it will be an answer. No guarantees is what we're saying. And if you're especially lucky, there may be discussion. That email is podcast at tro.bike. And yeah, let's go down to Brian's Tiny Tasty Tool Tips, because I had an experience. I want to hand this one. I want to trigger you. The mic is yours, but I'm going to throw the freaking gasoline on the fire and say... Hit me with a scenario. I needed tires on Trip 7s. It was just a rear. I needed a rear tire on 7s. And I go to a dealership that had a tire that would fit, a good enough tire to get me through the event, and then I would change them out to something better when I got home. I arrived there. I've got a single-sided swing arm, five lugs, boom, here's my rim. You know, I pulled the valve for them. I had everything I needed to hand them a wheel and have them return a balanced remainder of the tour go-fast shoe of sorts. And after they handed me the wheel back, well, I put the lugs back on, everything was set, and I really just needed a better way to tighten them on. And I went into the dealerships. I was like, may I please borrow a torque wrench? (laughs) Their answer was, yeah, no, we don't we don't loan tools out. <laughs> okay. All I need, hand me a torque wrench that's set to 40 pounds. I will tick all of these lugs into place and be on my way. All I have with me is the smallest of ratchet wrenches, enough to get the lugs off. Okay. But to get them on there in a way where I feel comfortable riding, if I kick that thing, it's going to break the bearings inside. It's not going to tighten them up anymore. I've got no way out of there. And they're holding me hostage is what's <laughs> happening. Just give me anything to tighten these things on properly. And the answer is a, an ongoing, yeah, we're going to have to talk about that. Not cool. They, they have gotten mentioned for this situation. Don't recommend them. 
Then Tim Clark told me something I did not know. If I were to have taken my wrench and just give it a little kick, get everything on there, and if I ride to an AutoZone or an O'Reilly's or a CarQuest or maybe a Napa, they will usually loan you a tool for nothing. Here's your tool, do the job, and you'll be on your way. So keep in mind, if you need an accuracy tool of any kind and you're getting the side eye from somebody who just took your money, if you can just get it to the nearest chain automotive store, you've got a solution to wait for you there. They do care. They will have your back. Yeah, that's a good one. I like that. Um, whether you need to torque those precisely, you know, I don't know. Uh, you know, you you could just, like you could have, like you could also just buy a breaker bar or buy a stronger ratchet or something like that and give it a good tweak. It'll be fine. And you could torque it later if it bothers you. But if you, you've, I mean, how many tires have you put on this bike over a hundred and however many thousand miles are on that thing? Um, you know, you, you know what it feels like. So you could do a safe job without a torque wrench. Uh, but yeah, that is a great one because any, you know, O'Reilly, uh, AutoZone, I know, I know for a fact, Auto, O'Reilly, AutoZone, Advance, uh, loan, but what, what they do is you buy the tool and, you know, they, they basically put a hold on your card. You take the tool, do what you're going to do with the tool, and then you bring it back and they drop it. Uh, and it's just a courtesy for their, and, and so that, that's a really good solution. I mean, they're open late. I, you know, wouldn't have thought of that. The other solution I would have thought of was to, uh, hit a farm store or Harbor Freight or something and just buy a cheap torque wrench and, you know, 20 bucks. If it's going to be on your mind. I'm curious if they make one that's like a, like a collapsible one. A collapsible like a collapsible torque wrench would be a great thing to, somebody should make one. What they do make is a torque adapter. Uh, so it's basically a little box. You, your ratchet goes on this side and your uh, socket goes on the other side and it sits in between and it'll give you a digital readout of the torque. Uh, so if you really had something that was crucial and you really, need, you know, like field repairs, I've never thought about a torque wrench, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, well, you, so long as it's not too tight and it's tight enough then what's the problem? But still, that's a pretty cool concept tool. That's going to be the next thing we link to as a product in this episode page is the add-on torque adjuster. Yeah, and whether that's something practical that you want to carry with you, I don't know. Uh, it's If you pass a town with a Harbor Freight, you might think about it. If it's, the, th- the principle here is if something is going to be on your mind, take care of it. Yes. And, for example, on the Kentucky tour, uh, uh, Tim had just replaced his rear tire and, um, and he noticed that he was missing a cotter pin on one of the, there's like the brake linkage. It's an old bike. You know, they have that. And he was like, Oh, let's just go on. And I was like, no, there's an auto zone over there. It's going to we're, we're all going to be thinking about it now. <laughs> so let's take that out of our box of crap to think about because it's not a very big box. For $1, your top case is going to be full of cotter pins. Let's go get them. Yeah. You'll, you're never going to buy cotter pins again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He bought a box of cotter pins and there, you know, put one in there and, 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 and the matter was solved and off our minds and out of our box of crap to think about. And so that, so like torquing those rear lugs on a BMW single side swing arm. Yeah, you can, you could, you could probably, you could, I'm, I'm, you could certainly ride perfectly safely the rest of the tour without it. But if it was going to be on your mind in the slightest, do it the way you want to, so you don't have to think about it. 
And that, that's the way I feel about, you know, that's the way I feel about a lot of maintenance and tires. And, you know, if you're thinking about your tires, stop thinking about them, put on new ones, <laughs> you know, uh, maybe more than once. Yeah. And, and, and stuff like, um, if something is wrong, stop and friggin' fix it and don't let it get worse. Uh, sometimes people will get caught up in that. Oh, you know, I don't want to stop the group or I don't want to, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to make anybody mad or I don't want to, you know, we're already late for lunch, whatever that means. Uh, you know, if, if, you know, if you need some more powder on your giblets, if you need, uh, you know, if there's something wrong with the bike, you're uncomfortable. If you're too hot, you're too cold, just pull over and fix it before it becomes a problem. You know, just don't, don't have things on your mind. <laughs> I mean, try to be organized so you don't have to stop, but yeah. Yeah, it's it is so crazy difficult to convey that truth sometimes to people that hey, it's all right. You know, I'm here. You know, I'm not I'm not sitting in front of my computer talking to some dude in a Zoom meeting. Actually, <laughs> yeah, that'd be that'd be lame. <laughs> that'd be lame as hell. <laughs> That's one of the things, you know, these these guys and, you know, a lot of the people I've ridden with uh I really love it when you're at that level where you don't even, you know, they just everybody literally does their own thing. I mean, we're, we're there together. Uh, but people have like, it doesn't even occur to them to, to do something that they wouldn't normally do just for the group. You know, my birthday. Yes. Okay. That weekend was my birthday. Now next year will be my 50th birthday. I want it to be the Kentucky crawl. I want to get all my buddies down there. We're going to make this happen. You should. You should. Yes. So we'll get a bigger onslaught, multiple teams of riders, or no, 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 no. <laughs> 21 riders back. Brother, brother, brother. Commemorative patches and, and hankies. Uh, uh, bandana, that's what it was. <laughs> no, we won't. <laughs> I'm going to skim through here because we're going to put some poops next to the things we didn't cover this week. We'll skip Shop Tools. We'll skip Chronicles of Wire. It sounded to me like, did you guys complete Reheated Rehash? Yeah, we, we completed that article. So if, whether we want to go on to another article or... I, I, was, I wasn't sure. I like a, the discussion around it. I don't know. I think it worked. I don't know. No, I thought it was fantastic. I had another article in mind that okay. I think I'm ready to deliver, but we're going to have to wait until next time. Yeah. Let's close this out. We got way too much material. I like that. All right, shall we begin the exit process? All right, uh, please make sure your tray tables are in the upright and locked position. <laughs> and that's our episode for this round. Tune in next time for more discussion on all things specific to sport touring or universal to motorcycling as a whole. For Radio TRO, I'm Brian Ringer. And I'm Robin Dean. Safe travels, everyone. Safe travels, everyone.